0: Hey, good morning. Hey, great to be here with you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brent. I'm the lead pastor here at Edinburgh, and uh, so glad you're here. Always good uh, being with my, my church family and worshiping in this place together. Uh, and I want to say hi to you watching online, although I am going to encourage you, this as we get into this series, would be a good one to maybe consider getting back uh, in, in church in person uh, if if you can, I just believe there's something powerful that happens when God's people gather uh, physically and worship and 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 hear the word of God. There's something that happens, so encourage you to consider that. Um, as I said, we're 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 kicking off this series. I'm not kicking it off. We were in the third week of it, but uh, kind of on the front end because we're going to be spending a half year on this on this uh, this series. It's based on the Sermon on the Mount, and we are calling it Jesus culture. And the heart of this, the goal of this, the vision of this series is we want to smell more and more like Jesus. (laughs) We want to have his aroma. In fact, we read this in 2 Corinthians 2. The Apostle Paul says, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing? So we want to be that aroma to each other. We want to be that aroma to those uh, who don't know Jesus yet. But we want to be potent. <laughs> um, this past week, Danielle and I—we bought a, a diffuser. Anybody own a diffuser? <laughs> you know, you put water in this thing and then you heat it up, and it lets out steam or something like that. And uh, but of course, Danielle goes—you know—a step beyond that. She opens up her cupboard. Filled with her hippie oils. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. or You're married to someone, right? Got their hippie, these essential oils, and I don't even know which one it was, but she pulled out maybe eucalyptus, I don't know. Poured it in, but it just filled the, it filled the house with just this wonderful aroma. And it got me thinking about, that's what we want to be. We want to be a church that smells more and more like Jesus, amen? amen. Okay, so that's what we're going to be looking at in, in this in this series, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump on in to where we're at. Jesus this morning is going to kind of show us, give us kind of two things to think about how we, can, how we can be, smell more and more like him as a church, okay? So this is Matthew 5. We're going to start in verse 17. Jesus says, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, Okay. Um, Jesus had kind of developed a reputation uh, where maybe the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, didn't think he cared all that much about the Old Testament, the, the book, you know, the Law and the Prophets. Um, but what we're going to see, and we're going to start this next week, we're going to start getting the specifics of how Jesus interpreted the Law and the Prophets. That'll start next week. We'll get into some specific issues. Um, but really, what it was was Jesus, they they according to Jesus, had the wrong interpretation. They didn't look at the Old Testament through the right lens. And, and so it's not that Jesus didn't care about the law and prophets. In fact, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law of prophets. Now, to be honest, this isn't great news for us. You know, because he's saying it's still operative and, and that we need to, you know, therefore still follow, Right? The, the Old Testament law and prophets. I was looking this week. The Old Testament has 613 laws, okay? You know, we all know, none of us have lived up to, according to all of those laws. None of us have fulfilled all of those, those laws. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like if we were standing at Lake Superior, And there was an expectation to throw a rock over Superior from one end to the farthest, you know, end. You might throw it farther than I do, but neither one of us are going to clear Lake Superior. It's just not in our nature to do that. And uh, even our heroes of the faith that we read about in the Old Testament, if we learn one thing from the Old Testament, it's that we and ourselves can't fulfill the law. Even our heroes, you know, over and over uh, failed um, to do that. So this isn't great news, but Jesus is going to go on and give us really, really good news. Because look at what he says next. So I'm going to back up. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay, To fulfill them for us. This is really, really, really good news. And if we're going to smell more and more like Jesus, church, we got to get this. Uh, we got to get this, this right. You know, Satan, our spiritual enemy, is going to constantly come around and kind of try to make us feel like failures, constantly come around and try to remind us of, of our sin, kinda, to remind us that we, we do fall short, right? And that's what Paul says, all have sinned and fall what? Short of the glory of God. We, we can't throw that rock over superior. And so he likes to show, show up and remind us of that. But what Jesus is doing is he's showing us saying, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to be your champion. You know, I'm going to step up and be your hero. And, and this is what Jesus did. He came to live. He lived a perfectly righteous life. I saw a skit recently where people were um, coming before God on the day of judgment. And there was a scale there. And the scale would either read one of two things. It would either say good or bad. And a lot of people came to the scale going, well, I was a pretty good person. You know, I lived a pretty good life. And, but they'd get up on the scale, and they hadn't met the requirements of the, the law, and so it would say, bad. And the next person steps up. I've, I've been a pretty good person. I've done a lot of good things in my life. Surely I'm going to be okay. And then they get on the scale. Like, bad. But then a Christian comes to the scale. And everyone's telling him, like, you've got to get on the scale. Get on the scale. But he's not getting on the scale. And then Jesus shows up. And Jesus gets on the scale for him. And of course, Jesus, who led the perfect life, reads good, and the gates of heaven open up, and then God says, This is the person who's welcome in. Church, we got to get this right. We are not the hero of our story. Jesus is the hero who fulfills the law for us in our place, giving us his righteous standing before God so the enemy will come around and he's going to try to make you feel you know like God doesn't love you and God couldn't save you and all that and he's going to come up and I remember what you did when remember that thing you did when you were young and you were and, and what you have to say is yes but Jesus and he's going to come around and he's going to say oh I know what you did last week yes I did but Jesus Oh, I know that thing you're struggling with. I know that thing, that issue you got going on in your life. You're right. I'm a work in progress, and I got Jesus. Okay, you know what we call this? Victory. <laughs> this is what it means to walk in victory, where Satan has no more hold over you because of Jesus. Not your righteousness. Jesus' righteousness. Really, really good news. And so this is the first thing we got to get. Jesus' fulfills the old testament and all the expectations he does fulfill that for us that's why he says in in verse 18 truly i tell you until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished he's the one who's going to accomplish it for us thank you jesus okay so does that mean though we just live however we want no Look at what Jesus goes on to say, verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So I don't think he's talking about the ceremonial laws, right? He, right? There's just things in the Old Testament we know we don't have to do anymore. We don't have to sacrifice animals, for exist, example, anymore. Because why? Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He fulfilled that. But I do think he's talking about the moral law here. God does still want us doing our best to live out the moral law. Even though that's not what saves us, we don't rest on that, we rest on Jesus. We are called to be transformed more and more to look like Jesus, and to live out this moral love, which he summed up, love God, love people. And what we see next is Jesus doesn't lower the bar for morality, Jesus raises the bar, because look at what he says. He says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. I mean, this would have uh, blown the minds of his listeners, Um, and it it probably would have been pretty discouraging because, I mean, the, the Pharisees of the day, the religious leaders of the day, I mean, they were scrupulous in how they went about trying to follow those 613 commands, trying to live out the law. They would actually, whatever they drank, they would put a filter over it to make sure they didn't accidentally swallow like a gnat or a fly because that could make them unclean. Before God, and so how in the world can we be more righteous than than people such as that? I was on a mission trip one time in India, and i 'll never forget this illustration that our, our leader used. He, he took a cup, it was like a dark blue cup you couldn't see inside of it, but it was more like a chalice. He had a rag, and he held this thing up and he said, "Would you drink out of this cup?" and he wiped it down and it looked all shiny and you know looked look, look, Looked really clean. And everyone was like, Yeah, I'd, I'd drink out of that. He said, You sure? And then, he, and then he tilted it down, and inside he had put what I'm assuming was cow manure. I wasn't going to do that illustration today. Everything's frozen out there, so. But everyone was like, Oh, right? And he's getting. To what, what Jesus is talking about? This is what Jesus is implying about the Pharisees. Sure, on the outside they look clean, they look good in front of other people, all right, and how you know religious they seem. But he's saying inside their hearts are wicked. He calls them at one point whitewashed tombs. On the outside they look nice and pretty, but inside filled with with, with death. He's like, yeah, you you strain that gnat you know, you filter out that gnat, but you end up swallowing a camel because there are other things that God is asking of you that you aren't doing, right? So maybe you don't commit adultery, but your heart is filled with lust. Maybe you don't ever murder anyone, but your heart is filled with anger and and, and hate for your neighbor, and especially your enemy, and we're going to see Jesus is going to challenge us on that one. And so he's saying, you know, you, 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 you look clean on the outside, but inside there's a problem. And so this is the second thing we have to understand. Jesus calls us to true holiness. If, if we're going to be a church that smells of Jesus, we're going to have to walk in true holiness. But how do we do that? Okay, there's only one way to do that. We have to have a new nature. We have to have a new heart. We have to have this heart of stone taken away and we have to be given a heart of flesh with the Holy Spirit helping us. And none of us are going to be perfect in this. None of us are ever going to arrive in this. But we're at least supposed to strive to this end and grow in this. And God's going to convict us and he's going to speak things into our life. And he's also going to empower us so that we can change and look more and more like Jesus. You know, Jesus was having a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus at one point, And what did he say? You must be born again. you got to have a new nature. Do you have that nature? H- have you just been doing the church thing? Have you just been doing the religious thing? I'm telling you, if you're going to live out this, this true holiness that God is calling us to, we've got to have a new nature. We've got to be born again, be spiritually born again. And God will give us a heart of flesh, and we will become more sensitive to how he's leading our life. So why why? You know, why, why does Jesus you know, call us to that? Well, he wants us to, to represent him well here on earth. He wants us to be a good example. He wants us to bring him glory through from people, from angels, from, from, from demons. He, he, wants us, he wants us to bring him glory in how we go about living our life, being his character, looking like him. Okay. Uh, and and it hopefully with the hope that others will see that. Not everybody, but some will see that, and they'll, they'll want that. They'll be drawn to that. Uh, I was, uh, I'm, I'm friends with somebody. Uh, he's moved on. Uh, we still stay in touch, um, but he was a part of Edinburgh Church for, for a long time. Um, he wasn't a Christian, uh, you know, in, in his adult years, and, and he was taking his daughter to, to, to soccer, when he saw this other couple uh, from here at Edinburgh Church, and he, he told me, I just saw something different in them. It, it, just the way they, they exuded love for each other, for others around them. He said they seemed to always have a joy to them that he didn't have. And this is like peace. And so one day, he was audacious enough, and he went up, and he just said, there's something different about you. What is it? I want that. And, and, they, and they, they, we have hope in Jesus. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. And we also have a great church, and they ended up bringing him here. He gave his life to Christ. He got baptized, and he's moved across state. But it changed the trajectory of his life because he saw that in other disciples of Christ. And he was drawn to it. And, and not everyone, but some will be. And that's our calling. Man, I don't know about you if you're sensing this. I think we are. It, are. Are we realizing we're living in a dark time? I think we're feeling this. It's, it just feels that way out there right now. I, I don't know. It's just crazy stuff happening. I mean, you hear about the earthquake in Turkey, and last time I heard, over 41,000 people. I know that number continues to go up. And even though that feels like that's over there, we've got our own stuff going on right here uh, you know, in the, uh, the, we're hearing about these balloons or whatever they are being shot out of the sky over the U.S. If you were thinking on going up in a balloon, okay, <laughs> anytime soon, I, pastoral advice, don't do it, okay? And you're hearing about this stuff, and, and you feel this tension growing with Russia and now China. It's just like, well, I don't know. I don't know where this is all going. I of us do. a stew. You hear about these things like these train derailments. I don't know if anyone been following that. Yeah. You got the show, I mean, this poor city uh, in Ohio. You know, it's a chemical sp- spill and they set it on fire, so it's like getting even into the air and the water supply. It's, you hear about all this. By the way, this is an interesting side note. Netflix put out a movie last year. Did some of you hear about this? Late 2022, okay, so this just came out, about a train derailment that caused a chemical spiel, spill, and guess where it takes place? <laughs> Ohio. Some of the people from that town experiencing that right now were extras in that movie. Is that, that's, you gotta, that's a little weird, and, and this is the stuff that's going on right now, Okay. Just a lot of weird stuff. And the question, what do you do? You know, what do we do, church? We go through this stuff. Well, I just want to end and share this story with you uh, from Matthew 16. It's very interesting to me. I think we can learn something from this. Matthew 16, we read this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples who do people say the Son of Man is? Okay. Now, this was the farthest north that Jesus would take his disciples before he started heading south for Jerusalem to go to the cross. So he took them to this place, Caesarea Philippi, intentionally. He's, he wants to teach them something. And this is where geography helps us. Now, I, w- I would encourage you, if you like to study things like this, study Caesarea Philippi. It's fascinating. Study, especially what it was known for, this, this mountain called Mount Hermon. Let me just give you a few interesting facts about this area, and especially Mount Hermon, okay? Um, one was the ancient Jews believed it was Mount Hermon that the original fallen angels, the fallen angels, the, what we would think of as demons, came down and conspired how to corrupt mankind. This is written about in a book called the book of Enoch, and I'm not saying it's scriptural, okay, by any means. uh, But Jude in the Bible, our book of Jude, Jude quotes it. Peter refers to the judgment that came on the angels, and so they seemed to have believed at least parts of it. And so they knew that this mountain was the mountain where these angels had come down and conspired, rebelled against God and conspired to corrupt man. That's at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus brings them here. Another interesting thing, you read the Old Testament, you read about Baal worship, right? And the the, the Baals were bad. God was very angry about the Baals. I mean, they would sacrifice people, they would sacrifice their children to the Baals, okay? Do you know where Baal worship began? Caesarea Philippi. It began at Mount Hermon. They've in recent times, found bones of these sacrifices there. Jesus brings them to this place. When the Greeks came in, again, before Christ, but the Greeks came in, they started worshiping a different God. They didn't worship a God named Baal. They worshiped a God named Pan. Okay, we've probably seen depictions of Pan, half man, half goat. But the stuff that people were into in worshiping Pan, I'm not going to even say it. We might have kids in here. It's terrible. It was, it was very, very evil. And in fact, uh, apparently Pan would make some kind of noise. People would hear these, these terrible noises in Caesarea Philippi. Uh, they believe that's where Pan lived, and they would hear these scary noises, and it would induce fear and anxiety in people. That's where the word panic comes from. Caesarea Philippi. This is where Jesus brings his disciples. This is the darkest of dark place Jesus could bring. Many people believe it's the most evil place in the world. Caesarea Philippi. Uh, religious Jews would not even go there. It, it was so dark. And yet he takes them there and he asks them that question, who do people say the son of man is? And so the disciples say, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, my disciples? who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter, right? You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And what he's saying here is, you are the one who is going to defeat all of this evil. You are the one who is going to conquer it and make things right again. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. No matter what's behind those gates, no matter what comes out of those gates, Jesus is saying, it's not going to defeat or overcome my church. Friends, what Jesus is reminding us here is no matter how dark things get, no matter how evil things are, nothing can take away the hope that we have in Jesus. That's why we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. He, He is the one who died for us. He is the one who rose for us, taking the keys of death and saying, all who put their faith in me will live. He is our eternal hope. He is our living hope. And so what the church has to do is, yeah, we can be aware of these things going on in the world, but we got to keep our eyes on him because he is the only place we're going to find any hope. He is the one who conquered the worst of enemies and now reigns at the right hand of the Father, ruling over it all. I don't know about you, I want Jesus in my life. I want to worship this. This Jesus. Some of you have heard me tell you, I, I'm not a good singer. right? I can't sing. I wish I could, but I can't. <laughs> I've tried many times, and like you've heard me say this, anytime I like try to lead like a Happy Birthday song or something like that, it doesn't go well. Uh, but fortunately, I got people around me. I've got I've got my wife. I've got staff when we do it here at church. And, and and they can, man, they can hit those keys. They can hit those notes. And it's amazing. If I like started out, we'll start off, it will be all like wrong. It's not. But then somebody starts singing in the right key, and what happens? Everybody adjusts and changes, and we start singing in the right key. Friends, do you realize this is what we're called to here at Edinburgh? We are called to come together and sing in the key of G Sus. <laughs> You musicians know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to sing in the key of Jesus. Because guess what? We are, we are dealing with a hurting world. There's going to be people who don't have hope. Some of you coming today, you don't have hope. And you don't know what's going on. I'm here to tell you we got some hope. His name is Jesus. And there's something that happens when God's people gather and we worship him. And he shows up. He starts changing us. He starts changing us from the inside out, and good things start happening. And we see heaven coming down. We start praying, Lord, your will be done here. As it is in heaven, we start seeing results. Let's go, Jesus. But we can't put the focus on ourselves. we got to put the focus on him. He is the hero. He is the one we worship. And so maybe some of you come in here today, and you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to be that good person. You've been trying to do it on your own. I'm here today. would you just rest and learn how to trust in this Jesus and see what he might do in your life? Because he'll give you a new nature and you'll be born again and he'll start changing you from the inside out. And you'll become a different person. And we'll become a church that smells like Jesus. Amen? So we're going to get an opportunity to do that. We're going to get an opportunity to praise this, this good Jesus, man. And I just, ah, oh, I love it. I love that we get to gather and do this thing. It's powerful when God's people do this. And so, Jesus, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you this morning that you fulfilled the law for us. You are the hero. You have secured victory. You have conquered death. You have taken the keys away from the enemy. And now you are reigning in heaven for your people we don't know if times are going to get any better. I don't know. But what I do know is I have an eternal hope, Jesus, that's found in you. And I just pray more of us will experience that. And if you haven't, maybe this is the day you say, yeah, I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own. Jesus, I believe in you and I want what you have done applied to my life so I can start being changed, a new creation, born again, walking in this hope that we have in your name. Let's do that. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said.